0: I'm joined today by Dr. Judith Brown and we're going to be talking about truth and about deception and about fact checkers and about information and misinformation and malinformation and the war over information uh, I uh, picked up a a, a a joke tweet a little while ago that it was it was pretending to be a fact check. And uh, what it did, it was talking about, the subject was abortion, and it was clear that someone had accused a particular pro-abortion organisation of being uh, Satanists Satanists dedicated to child sacrifice. And the fact-check said, this is not not the case. Not all of the members of this organisation have publicly dedicated themselves to Satan. Therefore, we find this mostly true. And I thought this was deeply funny, because it showed what fact-checkers are doing, which is finding reasons to tell the public to ignore information that is actually vital, that they should know. Um, Now, Judith, you have made a study of this, and I'd like to start where you started. Where did you first realise that there was a problem with integrity of information, integrity within journalism and government, and, uh, and, and essentially we are being quite extensively lied to?
1: Hi, David. It's nice to be here. Um, it started, I worked as an aid worker managing a refugee health So, was a, a nurse educated to doctorate level. And, um, and what I saw, I, I worked in Africa and the Middle East, in the Middle East, in Lebanon and Yemen. And what I saw with my own eyes, particularly in, um, in the Middle East, was very different to what I expected to see, and um, in, in fact, I was quite shocked sometimes at the difference. And one of the things that happened when I was in South Lebanon was the um, the bombing of Kana. Um, and uh, I heard that if that story got out, I think that was in 1996, if that story got out, Boutros Boutros Ghali wouldn't have a second term. So everyone was trying not to get that story out, but. Um, I think uh, uh, someone who um, was a peacekeeper um, had taken some video and uh, gave it to Robert Fisk and it was then in the news and that really started to make me realise that um, what we see in the news isn't always the news. And and I suppose that I'd always had a negative image of Arabs, and um, and that wasn't what I found in either um, South Lebanon, where I was mostly working with Palestinians, and in Yemen, where um, I just found uh, I made such good friends, and um, and people um, were um, were very open, and um, and 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 lived their lives in 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 a very honourable way. Um, the same really as most people do in in other countries, and uh, so when I came back from Yemen, which was um, uh, two thousand and one, I decided that my present, my retiring present to myself, would be to do a PhD, which I did at Exeter University. And I looked into the um the influences behind um imagery in um in in arab imagery in the british media and i started to uh, see how um images are sort of created and not um and and aren't always presented as they are and anyway, i fell in love with yemen and um and uh, went back sort of every year for for some months and and met people there and um friends there, and uh, right until the Yemen war broke out. But when the Yemen war broke out, I was really um, interested to see how it was ignored, mainly in the news. So I then went and did some um, research at um, UWE, a um, university in Bristol, on um, uh, on, on story selection and, and in particular looking at why the um, story of the Yemen war hadn't been selected, even though there were lots of reasons. I mean, there, were, there was a big British involvement in the war, um, both in terms of weapon sales and in terms of personnel who were helping um, run the war effort for Saudi Arabia. Um, so, so and um, uh, and of course we've been um, uh, occupying South Yemen for, uh, for, for for a century or more. So, so so it, w- there were lots of links with Yemen, and it was a really cruel and vicious war. And in, and also the issue was that th- there was mass starvation there of young children. So there was lots of things that. Meant that it, it it had a good um, storyline for for news media to pick up, and that didn't happen. So that um, so that sort of um, confirmed my view that the that the made what we see in the media isn't always the top news, but what has been selected as what people um, uh, uh, in power want us to see. So that's my background, and so of course when it came to covid in the in the beginning um i was sort of like suspicious on two grounds first of all i sort of i was really tuned in to recognizing propaganda and a lot of the way that they were presenting the covid um story seemed to um fit fit very much with the um with with the way that co- the propaganda is spread and the other thing of course was that because I'd worked in Africa I, the WHO guidelines on infection were cro- control was my bread and butter that was what I did all the time so also the um this the story of um of the infection and and the way to control it also didn't uh, you know didn't seem at all realistic so um I then um I worked with Heart for a time, and then sort of moved over to Panda because they've got a media group there, which I'm part of, and um, we've been doing work on censorship. And I, I, I did some work on the Trusted News Initiative and the um, regulatory authorities. And then after that, I did something on the um, online um, uh, uh, safety bills that are ubiquitous. They're they're appearing everywhere in the world. Ours wasn't the first by any means, but there was a sort of a pattern to them. Um, they all were talking about protecting uh, vulnerable. But in fact, when you looked in more detail, um, they were actually censoring uh, um, organize, uh, censoring organs um, intended to to in some way restrict restrict speech. And there was a sort of a uh, a similarity. And then um, last year, um, someone I was talking to someone who suggested that we needed work done on fact checkers, and um, I thought it would be a sort of like a couple of months thing. Um, my experience of fact checkers was posting things on Facebook and finding that they um, they had a, a tag attached, or I was told that they couldn't be printed, and then Facebook told me that they were going to. Um, uh, lower my um, uh, uh, what what I was doing and Figs wasn't going to appear, and um, and one or two friends told me that they weren't getting my posts anymore. So um, so I was sort of like aware of fact checkers on social media, and I sort of thought that was what I was going to examine. But what I found was that the fact check industry is so vast, so enormous, so well funded. And it really controls everything, not just social media. It controls the, the, every form of media, um, mainstream media, radio, uh, television, newspapers. It, it controls um, online games. It controls every social media, everything that you talk about. Um, it, the, the, the censorship couldn't happen without this uh, Secretive and extremely well funded, um, uh, a network that spreads to all the corners of the earth in every language. So um, this is like the mechanism of how things like the Trusted News Initiative um, operates.
0: Before we get into the, the the detail of of the mechanism and the the organisational aspects, which are you know vital, but. Just before we do, you mentioned propaganda and recognizing propaganda, and it's a very important thing because we've we've had a masterclass in it over COVID. We've seen uh, we've seen the the population absolutely terrified, we genuinely terrified um, to the point where walking past someone outdoors without wearing a mask, you see them recoil and fear, right, what sort of biohazard you might represent. So it was, in its day, very effective. And we see the same um, mechanisms being openly planned, openly discussed, as something that's going to push the climate emergency global warming narrative, and that's going to restrict freedom of movement um, and basically impoverish the society in many ways. And this is all going obviously unchallenged because there are no voices in the mainstream media challenging the global warming narrative. Um, however threadbare the argument might be, it can't it can't be it can't be argued against on the BBC because of policy. So we're, we're looking at propaganda, and I was very struck by the combination of of fear, psychological manipulation to generate fear. And also the bullying, controlling aspect, where anyone speaking out would be would be would suffer, um, you know, a, a, an attack, repre- um, um, the, the reputational damage, um, loss of employment. You know, they would be hounded out of polite society to get the message across that you must think in one way, and if you don't think in this way, then you're a bad, evil person who who should be shunned by all of humanity. These two things, this shunning um, restrictive anti-intellectual you-cannot-question, you-must-not-question the narrative strand, and the outright fear. Um, I was surprised how well it worked in Britain, genuinely. And It's working much less well now. I'm pleased to say, but I don't know if they do. If they've run something similar again, I don't know how the people will, will react. Could you could you say a little bit more on the subject of propaganda? What you found out about this thing we call propaganda?
1: Well, what I noticed right from the beginning was that um, the, the the stories that were shown were sort of like very shocking things. Um, you know, like people. Sitting outside a hospital with a woman that couldn't breathe in in um, in Italy, people dropping down dead. So I, I just feel that the, uh, the 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 role of governments is to make their population feel that that they're in control and that there's no need to be fear that they're going to help them. But in fact, right from the beginning, it seemed that that they were they were sending the fear message out rather than the reassuring message out. Also, the way that they were talking in sort of like short, sort of like um, bites of sentences and kept repeating it. It was the repetition of the same message that was going out, not just by one person, but by everyone who was speaking on the media. I think from my own point of view, because of my... Um, medical knowledge as a nurse, um, I, w- I was, was sort of like quite shocked that um, that the medical profession weren't speaking out, and uh, and in fact in the first lockdown I felt so certain that um, that the medical profession would eventually speak out because they were trained. Uh, at least as well as me, and possibly even better in in most of them, and I just didn't feel that they would um that they that they would stand by this story so in the first lockdown, I was just so confident that eventually the medical profession would speak out and say, "Hang on, you know we we can't really support this and and then, as time went on, I became increasingly alarmed that the medical profession weren't speaking out, so there were lots of sort of like indicators with propaganda, and I also um, started to see messages um, like, for example, fairly close to the beginning, um, Mike Eden that had never heard of before, but it seemed to me that he, um, he he was talking very sensibly, very calmly, but he was also he was well qualified to join the debate, but um, but he he clearly couldn't. Um, he wasn't allowed to join the debate, so I saw that form of of censorship. So all of these things together started right from the very first day really of the of the Covid thing to raise alarm bells for me and make me think there's we're in the midst of a a really horrible propaganda campaign.
0: The point you made did about governments normally trying to reassure the population and it was the exact reverse they were essentially filming live in intensive care wards, watching people die. Now, you could do that at any point, you would alarm the public. Um, it was appalling. It was, it was an, an astonishing that they would consider that um, an appropriate way to behave. And it certainly wasn't subtle. It was really pushing the fear. And, of course, the medical profession failed. You're quite right. Um, they weren't the only profession that failed. Um, the uh, the journalists, by and large, utterly failed to to hold anyone to account. Um, a fair amount of the legal system and certainly the police um, failed in their duty. Um, most of our politicians are likewise uh, culpable. Um, and. Uh, and the churches and the, the leaders in the churches also, you know, so that it was a it was a very broad based failure for uh, with with various parts of society just not doing the job and not standing up to to resist. Uh, the people who were standing up were very lonely initially, although um, not anymore. Uh, that's changed. I'm pleased to say. Um, so that that maybe takes us on to. Um, the fact-checking. So you said you started to see the fact-checkers af- affect your work as you were posting ideas and information on Facebook. Um, I, I, when you started to to uh, dig into them, you, you talked about the scale of the industry. What did you find in terms of the the, the extent of it?
1: Well, initially, I um, I really didn't know where to start. I actually went to Wikipedia, and they'd got a page on fact checkers, and they um, linked they gave links to the Duke um, Reporters Lab, which is a, a university that that's got a a, um, a section that's that on fact checking, and uh, so I looked at the fact checkers on that list, and they also pointed to the uh, International Fact Checkers Network, and so. I, I had those two lists to go with. On first of all, so I will. I just started searching those two lists, and I suppose on those two lists altogether there was probably about four hundred active groups, and um, and then I, uh, I I then started check. It was very tedious as research tends to be. I um, I, I started to look at each fact check um, platform. About half of them are associate, were associated with the media and about half of them were independent fact-checkers. Um, some fact-checking platforms have a lot of information on their website. For example, um, the British Full Fact website has a lot of information on its website. It's, it's a charity, so you can see it's full accounts. Um and uh, and they've got a lot of information about what they do. Um, other fact check platforms, they have information about the fact checkers and maybe a little mission statement um, and and not much else. Um, particularly the fact check platforms that are associated with the media tend not to have much information but then on each fact check platform what I was doing was doing internet searches to see if I could find out more about a fact check platform that didn't give much information about itself and from that I discovered that there were various other lists of fact checkers like um, uh, there's a, 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 a Portuguese-Spanish-speaking group called um, Latam Chequia that's organized from Argentina and Spain. Um, There's there's the Credibility Coalition. um, There's a countering disinformation. So I discovered lots of lists, and quite importantly, one of the lists that I discovered was the Facebook third-party fact-checking project. Which has a list of all of the um, fact check groups that actually uh, uh, partner with 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 Facebook and fact check on Facebook on behalf of Facebook. Um, so I was able to work my way through all of these lists and occasionally came up with um, with a, a fact check um, platform that wasn't on any of those lists. Just. You know, through the internet search, I'd be searching maybe for one group in Pakistan, and up would come another one or, or whatever. So, um, so eventually the list went up to somewhere around 500 active fact check, check, fact check platforms that I found at the moment, and uh, and then it was just the tedious job of reading through everything that each one of those said on their platform about themselves, if they did say things. And also, then, if I couldn't find anything on their own platform, doing internet searches and finding information about uh, as much information as I could about each platform group. So, just like all research, very tedious, but, um, and you have to read everything because, for example, on the, um, uh, on Pointers, um, which is the, uh, the institute that owns the International uh, Fact Check Network. And, and other um uh, groups as well um but um uh, i had to read everything on pointers and then a sort of one little bit happened to say oh we've got this 13.2 um, million dollar grant from Google. So but if you don't read everything, you could miss that little snippet of information that's quite important, although a lot of it is is repetitive, telling people how good they are, how they're defending democracy and you know all of the usual things, um, how they're promoting safety. Um but it's quite interesting because although I think most fact-check platforms talk about disinformation, misinformation, malinformation, um, and some do a, a brief a definition of what it is. And uh, nearly all of them say that um, disinformation is, incre- is increasing. None of them actually said how they quantified that it was increasing, um, but of course they're going to they're going to say that it's increasing, of course, because um, because that means that um, they can then justify their existence by saying that it's increasing. Um, and so, uh, so just their reassurance that's increasing. But the other thing that I didn't find on any internet um, fact check site at all was the origins of the, uh, the sources that were actually starting to deliver the, um, the, the misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. They, they hadn't looked back to the original sources
0: on the subject of what the fact-checkers claim to be and what they are in reality, um, I, I've been viewing this from, uh, from the sidelines and it struck me very much that it's, it's, it's restricting inquiry and it's restricting curiosity and it's saying you know, you must believe the official sources, and is it is essentially um, being a dampener on on questioning um, what comes out from official sources, and it's it it, it has an in, an incredible naivety, I, you know the, the, the government the um, respected institution it wouldn't have any ulterior motives. It's it's like they believe that any large organisation is not actually staffed by human beings and, and isn't uh, subject to conflicts of interest and desires and ambitions and, and corruption the same as every other part of human society is, but must just be believed. And then they round on anyone who goes against that narrative. So, do, do you is that what you saw? Do, do you agree with that summary? And what what do you what do you now view the fact checkers as as actually being? And what do they claim that they are doing?
1: Fact checkers are the censorship network. Uh, you see, you can talk about the Trusted News Initiative and say that controls mainstream media, but then. You haven't got a mechanism of how the trusted news initiative controls the mainstream media. It isn't until you look at the fact check platforms that you realize that they are the mechanism. It's like the trusted news initiative is the is the destination, but the the route to get there is actually the fact check um, net, network platform. and um, when you look, for example, I think all of the major news agencies internationally are uh, members of the International Fact Check Network that actually registered, they approved, they verified signatories of that network. You're talking of AFP, which is a very, very big um, fact, fact check network, um, Reuters, um, Associated Press, and then also um, national fact check platforms like, for example, the DPA, the German one. So so and and other countries have got uh, individual fact check platforms so uh, uh, um and and they're all also individual news agencies that are registered as fact check platforms so um so you can see that um uh, for example um AFP apart from the fact that it does a lot of fact checking itself it's got a lot of fact check platforms associated with its news gathering um, enterprise um but um, but it actually sends copy out to of uh, to five continents. You know, uh, this this ready fact check. Then you get all sorts of um, media organisations that are also um, uh, registered fact checkers with with the IFCM, like the Washington Post, for example. And I read an um, an article by a, a journalist from the Washington Post who talked about he introduced the new fact check system um, in 2012. Now. Obviously, fact-checking has uh, always happened. Journalists have had to check their facts. You, you check it at UK at Column News. I have no objection with people checking facts to make sure that stories are credible. But it's when they're fact-checked in a certain and particular way and when um, people um, uh, are in the fact-check network, um, what, they're, what they're taught is uh, their, their version of critical thinking, um, uh, their version of searching for news stories, their version of sourcing news stories, their version of, of using uh, specific fact-checked tools in a particular way. So what you've got, because um, fact checkers were. I mean, they, they have actually advertised for check, fact checkers in minority languages to um, to reach hard to uh, hard to get hard to reach communities. So therefore, they've got fact checkers in every language. There's throughout the globe. They've got they've got a fact checker, and uh, so th- and um, so and then there are organisations like, for example, Internews, which is associated with the World Economic Forum in some way. I haven't been able to exactly define how, and it's got a partner organization called Ads for News. Now, what Internews does is to help um, uh, local news um, uh, groups like local newspapers, local radio to actually digitalize their content. And, of course, that's, that's all very well, and it probably helps them, sort of like, um, to, to increase their audiences, can increase their reach. But as soon as they're digitalized, they can also be fact-checked much more easily. And so, therefore, um, uh, then it, the partner of Ads for News, what Ads for News does is if you have um, trusted news content on your fact-check platform, you can then... Um, you you can you you can then get these uh, advertisements, which are organised by Ads for News or Google AdSense does the same thing. So um, so so this encourages sort of like local media once it's gone onto a digital platform to actually um, control their um, their content so that it fits in with the trusted news, so that then um, uh, they're going to get increased ad. Uh, ad revenue and if they didn't comply, if they sort of like went against the mainstream news. um, For example, if they started to question something about climate change or gender or or anything that's one of the um, current um, topics that uh, that divide people and um, so you want to sort of like uh, say your own point of view or somebody else's point of view then you're not going to get the ad revenue so therefore the fact checkers that belong to those new um, uh, news platforms are going to make sure that everything that goes on is goes on in 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 this particular form um no um I think that it's just insidious the form of control and and I mean, to me, I just was like totally shocked at the con- at the extent of it, of the, uh, how how it permeates everything, um, and how difficult it is to get away from it. Um, quite interestingly, there are two countries. You see, all of these fact check platforms—they're all funded by. Um, uh, by um, wealthy um, Western organizations or Western government organizations, so um, you've got sort of like a whole, a whole host of foundations: um, Umidia, um, um Open Society, um, Gates, who only funds in Africa, um, uh, MacArthur Knight Foundation, uh, Craig Foundation, uh, Craig Newmark Foundation, and so forth. Um, and then you've got governments that fund, they either fund directly or they fund through organisations such as the um the National Endowment for Democracy, <clears throat> the European Endowment for Democracy. And they're funding platforms in um in all over the world, including countries in the third world that maybe don't see the world in the same way. <clears throat> Two countries have tried to um uh, to, to take action to um, to, to stop the foreign interference, Georgia passed a law in March this year to say that um, uh, news organizations that have more than 20% of their revenue from overseas have to uh, register as agents of, of influence. <coughs> but, um, but within two days, they, um, that was overturned. And whatever way you look at it, um, Georgia, uh, with its national boundaries, had no power to overcome the fact check platforms. And, uh, and whatever view you take of the law, that is it, is really shows the extent of the fact check platforms' power.
0: You've mentioned, you know, all these large tax exempt foundations, large corporations, and Western governments are funding this. And you've identified five hundred. Different organisations receiving this funding. Do you have a handle on how big this actually is? How big an industry are we talking about? Have Have you got any sort of figures of just just how much cash is going into this?
1: <clears throat> well, most fact check platforms don't actually say the amounts of money that they've got. Um, they just uh, some don't say anything about their funding. Um you have to search on the internet and um, to try and find indications of their funding um some a, a minority are very, very open about their funding, um as I've mentioned, Full Fact, which is a charity at links so are hoaxes um, but a lot of them just say that they that the proportion of the money that they get from the funding is this or that, so you so you don't know how much money is going in, but relating to the extent of it, David, I've only been able to check clap. Fact check platforms that actually are listed with an international group like the International Fact Check Network, the Credibility Coalition, Latam Chakir or whatever. Um, I can't check any of the any of the others. Um, but a piece of check in Africa states that it networks with 174 um, other. Um, news checking platforms, um, both news desks and um, civil societies. I I don't think I've found any of those. Um, In UK, um, the fact checks associated with the media, I think there's, there's very few. Um, that are fans, but there's so many I mean there's thousands of um of uh newspapers and local radios and whatever in UK so I suspect that a lot of those are following this um this fact check platform so the the ones that are found are just the tip of the iceberg and um I mean, a lot of them are going to be associated with media platforms, and they say that uh, most of those say that they're funded by their owner. And of course, who are their owners? I mean, you you know just the same as me that in um, in UK and in the Western countries, there's a handful of owners, um, and these are extremely rich people. So they're going to want to control the um, the stuff that gets out there in a particular way. They're they're part of the elites. and uh, so, and then when you look at the um, at, at the these powerful foundations and governments that fund the independent fact check platforms, I think it's quite interesting when you look at um, the Facebook um, platform, for example. Um, uh, 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 Facebook actually says that. Um, on its website that it 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 gets rid of certain forms of information on covid you can actually read it it's it's got a huge list of for example vaccine injuries um you can't they don't allow posts that question things like mask wearing the other treatments um and it gives us sort of like a long list it's very specific now facebook said that it employs independent fact-checkers so that those fact-checkers are independent so that they actually fact-check how they want to fact-check. And the fact-check platforms, when you read them, and they say, well, we get this money from Facebook, but it doesn't interfere with our decisions. But if they weren't fact-checking how, fact, how Facebook wanted them to fact-check, then clearly they wouldn't have their contracts renewed. At the moment, there are... Um, uh, uh, 200 and around 260 um, contracts with um, with uh, uh, Facebook third party fact checking contracts, um, and some some um, uh, some fact check platforms have. Uh, for example, I think that um, AFP, which is by far the biggest, has about 80 con- 80 Facebook contracts to con- they fact check in countries that i haven't got um fact check platforms that can ch- check themselves um, there's a, a fact check uh, platform in um jordan that fact checks most of the arab countries so um but um so um but most fact check platforms they actually have one or two in each country. the countries where they don't have fact check platforms like for example Sin- syria venezuela uh, Russia you'll find that around those countries you've got uh, looking at the Facebook fact check um, platforms you can see that um, you've got sort of like places like Georgia um, Latvia Lithuania um, that's that actually have contracts to fact check in Russia so you can guess that that fact checking occurs over the border um, maybe attached to some of the uh, foreign government funding um and uh, also, uh, quite interestingly, there was one fact checking platform in um, in the Netherlands called Nu Netherlands. Um, uh, uh, possibly, um, uh, uh, I, I don't know it, but it, it joined the Facebook. Fact-checking platform right at the beginning when it first started in 2013, but it left a few years later because of the restrictions that Facebook uh, 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 placed on its acti- in its fact-checking activities. So if one person has left because of it, then this indicates that that, that they do interfere and um, and. and and it's it's unrealistic to think that um that people can fact check on facebook um independent of facebook it's 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 just not logical
0: also i mean the, the case that you that you highlighted there is a case in point and it and it shows exactly what the problem is because you said facebook don't allow people to go and discuss vaccine injuries now i i, I remember when there was when the, there was a vaccine injured group on Facebook at one point and it was it was either 50,000 or approaching 100,000 or something. It, it was very popular and there was huge amounts of information being shared between people who had suffered vaccine injury uh, because of the COVID-19 um, shots, injectables. And then it was suddenly turned off. Facebook switched it off and all those people who had established online a network of support, of help, of people with the shared understanding and shared experience, they were cut off from all of that instantaneously. Now, not only is that cruel, I would say, but there's not any question that it's nothing to do with facts. Um, I've sat down with with people who have been injured with the vaccine some have been hospitalised, some have lost loved ones, some have been confined to a wheelchair, uh, some have lost limbs, and there's all sorts of harm out there, and it's real. And to, to censor that under the lying name Fact Check, we have fact checked your story and we find that your, your information is wrong, when the person sitting there living it, is, uh, there's a tremendous arrogance in there and there's a tremendous abuse of power, kind of inherent in that whole thing. Because if, if you're going to police the public square, and that's what it's doing, um, then the standard that you'd have to be held to would be extraordinarily high. And, um, There would need to be an assumption, a presumption that people could speak. And only in the most egregious examples would you be closing anyone down, but that's not how it operates. And the idea that they can say to millions of people now who have been harmed by the vaccines, who have reported it to the government, through the government's monitoring system, the yellow card system, that essentially you're not allowed to exist or you're not allowed to have a voice is, is really, genuinely horrendous. Um, do, do you see any... I mean, do the fact-checking organisations, do they try and justify this? Do they realise what they're doing? Well,
1: when you uh, look at the mission statements on um, fact-check platforms, um, what they're saying is that they're defending democracy, um, that they're protecting people. But I haven't seen any... Um, any fact check platform that actually um, has actually explained why, for example, thoughtful, reasoned debate from uh, from people with knowledge, either you know people who've suffered vaccine injuries, academics who um, who have a, a different point of view. Um, I haven't seen any reason why why. Um, uh, the public means protecting from, um, from information that is thoughtful, that is expert. I mean, I would say that someone who has um, received a vaccine injury is an expert opinion. Um, and it's an opinion that they're um, that, that they're entitled to talk about, that they're entitled to discuss, um, and uh, and uh, and I, I I don't see why not. But the, the whole point is that whether it's right or wrong, you know, somebody might have had a stroke and and relates it to the vaccine. They might have had that stroke anyway, or the heart attack, or blood clot, or whatever it is. They might have had that anyway, um, but. Um, but uh, even so, um, there's no reason why, um, it, it, for example, Article 19 of the Human Rights De- Universal Human Rights Declaration actually says that everyone has the right to opinion and, um, and that you can't stop that. In any form of media, I can't remember the exact words, but it's 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 it's, it's something like that. Um, so there, you've got somebody who is an expert on a vaccine injury because they've received one. Um, you've got um, people that are experts on um, on, uh, for example, Asim Malhatra, That's an expert on cardiac um, conditions, and he's not allowed to speak on cardiac. Uh, conditions even though he's done quite a lot of research the bmj um published an article and uh, uh, that that was that was peer reviewed and um and they were sort of told that that was misinformation and um, so um these are people who are qualified to join the debate it, it really doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong they're qualified to join the debate and to stop them um joining in that debate interferes with their human rights and their and and free speech and and that is unacceptable but the it's interesting there was a court case in um, in california i think it was last year um when someone took uh, facebook to court for um for a banner that it put on on their um uh on their content and um and uh, facebook and, and 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 a few other um fact check platforms were included in the uh, in the petition and um and facebook actually said that the fact checks are only opinion they they, they actually gave that as their defense and uh, so they so so they um they they actually said that it's their opinion, and as it's a, a private platform, they can make the rules that they want to. So it actually was actually it actually said that as its defence in a court case. Um, so um, so I think that uh, but but if you've got a platform that um, that uh, uh, if you've got um, Individual fact check platforms that say that they're defending democracy. How can they think that they're defending democracy by actually stopping people um, having a debate? Um, because to me, democ- democracy and uh, and and scientific um, uh, uh, opinion, um, it is a debate. Um, it's it, it's it's as if and some of the fact checks, David. I think the majority are just so trivial. And um, you get a sort of someone um, saying, um, oh, this politician didn't have a bruise on his head, and this um, footballer didn't lose his sponsorship. Now, who needs to protect adults from that information? It's just incredible that an adult needs protecting from information that somebody said that a politician had a bruise on his head and he didn't or a footballer lost his sponsorship and he didn't. So even if the fact checkers are correct are right, why do adults have to be protected from that information? I just don't I just don't get it. It's just it's just Unbelievable that adults need to be protected from that information. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite old now. When I was young, life was surrounded by um, by old wives' tales. I suspect I'm an old wife myself now, but we. The fact that somebody came along with an old wives tale that had no foundation in it uh, didn't mean that society came to a stop. Some people thought that they did it. Like if you had a, I used to have nosebleeds and people used to put a key down the back of my clothes. I don't suppose it helped at all. But it, but, you know, but, but it, did it matter that I had a, Key put down the back of my dress when I had a nosebleed. It, it didn't really matter, and some people probably thought that's rubbish, and some people thought it it, it was worth doing, but um, but it, it nobody nobody suffered greatly from from that. If then if my nosebleed didn't continue, it continued when the key was down my back. Then my mother tried something else, like squeezing my nose or something. Um, so it's um, it's sort of um, it's 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 in. It's unbelievable that adults have to be protected from such minor information which in effect most fact checks are
0: mm, yeah it's the, the triviality of it is 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 quite striking and also the sort of infantilizing of the adult population that that implies um I mean they, they have been um, shown up by some of the things they've selected to fact check the the uh, The satirical site Babylon Bee has got a list of their stories, which are jokes, right? That have been fact-checked. My favourite one, and this actually did go for a fact-check, was the Babylon Bee put out a story, The Ninth Circuit Court Overturns the Death of Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Right? Since San Francisco, California, in a landmark ruling, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has overturned the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. In a close decision, the judges in the court have ruled that RBG's death is unconstitutional and will block Trump from nominating a replacement. Right? <laughs> the the fact-checker, who, who <laughs> was paid to go and see if that was true, actually contacted the court to see if they had a case lodged like this. So you you have to wonder about the rationality of some people, or certainly their lack of sense of humour. But on a more serious note, you you said a couple of times that the the justification for a lot of this activity is defending democracy. They put this on their websites. We're the last hope that democracy has. We're going to defend democracy from... What wrong think, from people having opinions from people having the wrong opinions, right? So this is very interesting because what they're actually saying is uh, democracy won't work if people don't have the right opinions. We are going to make sure you have the right opinions, and we're going to censor the opinions, are the wrong opinions. Then democracy will work. Well, of course, that's not the definition of democracy. That's something else. That's totalitarianism. That's thought control, and. So, when they say defending democracy, the question is, are they actually manipulating, uh, distorting, uh, or or controlling democracy? What are they really doing? Are they changing the outcome of elections? Are they changing who runs the country? Or who runs, say, the United States of America? Um, Would um would some of elections have gone differently if it wasn't for the fact check network what do you think
1: i think a lot of fact check platforms um are, are most active at times of election and electioneering and there are some fact check platforms that either started during the run up to an election um throughout the world and uh, the and um and also there's some fact check platforms in USA that uh, that uh, that close down except between sort of elections and times of public debate, and um, so I think that, um, and I'm sure that there is a role here um, for fact check platforms. I'm, I'm I'm not saying that there isn't. Um, for example, listening to um, to election promises and then checking afterwards whether those election promises are kept. I mean, for example. There were certain sort of like election things. Like um, it's alleged that Boris Johnson during the last election was talking about building a number of hospitals. He built all of these hospitals, or he planned to build all these hospitals, and that wasn't in fact correct. Um, I don't know that fact checkers actually fact checked that or not, but um, but it it is it is something that maybe should have been fact checked if it if it was potentially incorrect. I didn't fact check it myself, so I just have to sort of like listen to other opinion um, but um uh, but there's also i think that for example i don't know whether you know of the fact check group uh, hamilton 68 in america it's actually been closed down now um but it um i think it was funded by um uh, the u.s government either directly or indirectly i can't remember which but um but it alleged that um that there was a lot of um of uh, of of uh, russian uh, bots and um russian russian accounts that were interfering with the um uh, 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 the election when trump won the election in in usa and so then they gave a number of um of accounts to um to twitter and told them to uh, you know to, to that these accounts were all russian bots and it was widely reported on the news that uh, i think it was uh, this is my memory, David. I, I might be wrong, but I think it was six or seven hundred accounts that um, that Hamilton, 1968, gave to um, gave to the um, uh, to Twitter, saying that they were Russian bots, and they, that was widely circulated in the media. And of course, it was. It was then said that this had interfered with the election. But interestingly, when the um, when the Twitter files were actually released, and I think that uh, American journalist called Matt Taibbi looked into them and checked lots of the accounts. Um, there was there was only a handful, um, fifty or so, that were actually associated with Russia. The rest were genuine um, American citizens who were critical of the previous government's policy or maybe we're Trump supporters or something like that. So um and then of course when you look at um at the accounts um uh as uh, uh, the Facebook fact checkers for example uh, around Russia and around Syria and um and around Venezuela you see i think that um i I don't know whether this is true, but there's the potential of those accounts interfering with um with what's being said in 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 those countries that are targeted and if so, they could be interfering with the sort of like the democratic processes within those countries so um so you've um so you've actually got sort of like the potential of of us interfering with other countries with with no proven um, um, uh, success in 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 the fact check platforms upholding democratic values, but of course democratic values. I, I'm just saying something to you that I know that you know, David. Democratic values aren't just elections. Democratic values are being allowed to express yourself freely and to have free thought, and um, and and that is part of the democratic process, and and that is. Is is something that's being constantly censored through these fact check platforms that are paid by the by the wealthy, paid for by the wealthy and powerful. Fact check platforms don't have a product. Uh, what they do is they censor and moderate content. That's what they do. They don't have a product. So there are the only people that are going to fund them are people who, for one reason or another, have got actually got a. Um, an interest in um in in moderating content and then that platform that, that fact check platform it's um it might be a charity it might be a not- for profit it might be a profit but all of them have got a business model and if they're getting funded from organizations or from governments that um that want to um that, that only want a certain narrative to be produced they can't go up, They can't go against that narrative. They have to send their fact-checkers onto fact-checking courses and media literacy courses so that they think the same way as the fact-check platform that thinks the same way as its funders. And so therefore, how I, I don't see how this can be democracy.
0: Well, we've seen the same thing in academia. It's called a peer review process. So you when a particular viewpoint captures the orthodoxy, captures the institutions, it then protects itself, the vested interest, from any challenger. Um, if, you, if you have an unpopular opinion, this is science we're talking about, so it should be a battle of ideas and evidence, but no. If it's, if it's an unpopular opinion, then the peer review process Will keep it out, um, and this also applies to your admissions to, you know, certain um, institutions as well. So if you if you express a a banned opinion, um, you are slowly sort of eliminated from this, the scientific mainstream. Um, the most dramatic example of that's probably Peter Duesberg, uh, who came up with another hypothesis on what AIDS and HIV was all about, one that I but have to say was extremely well evidence-based and extremely tightly argued. And um, that was career-ending, really, for him because it was not what was desired politically. Um, so we've seen this in academia. Is this simply the expansion of the worst aspects of the peer review process into every aspect of of publishing of all sorts.
1: Well, it is quite interesting um, that you're talking about academia because academia has been sucked into the whole um, uh, um, 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 counter-disinformation industry, um, into the fact-checking industry. I've only really examined... um, uh, EU in any detail but what I've found is that there are, uh, the EU actually covers sort of actually it, 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 it extends to, um, it still extends its influence over some uh, UK universities and, uh, and other un- universities that surround the EU um, but it's, there are altogether I've found at the, up to the moment, there might be more of course 18 um, uh European um uh fact check um uh groups that are um uh that are funded by the EU or East or the European Commission. And um these involve um fact check uh, platforms, um uh, uh, uh manufacturers of AI tools and uh, and also universities. And and they're really extensive. There's so many universities involved in it. Um I mean, for example, I'll talk about one in UK, um, Sheffield. Sheffield specializes in natural voice recognition. And so it's so if people want someone on their team that um, understands natural voice recognition, they'll bring Sheffield into the group, even though it isn't actually within the EU or the EC. And then others like, for example, Aarhus University, I don't know whether I've pronounced that right, that's in Denmark, that's a specialist in data analysis. So if, if they want someone... With that speciality then it's pulled into the group but some of these um uh, there's 18 different types of groups and they do all sorts of uh, sort of like functions and like um coordinating journalism scores um uh, <clears throat> looking at fact check pr- um 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 tools designing them um uh things like um uh the setting of professional standards. But they can be really huge, like the um European um digital media observatory, which is funded by the EU. It actually claims that it has a branch in every country in the EU. And so all of those countries have got probably universities, um AI tool companies and fact check platforms um that belong to the to this uh, this this EDMO, which is one um, organization that's funded by, I think that's funded by the European Commission, it might be the EU. But I actually found another 17 of these, and some of them are relatively small. Um, they just function in one area, and some of them are sort of EU-wide. So, um so it's um, so and I know that um, I was speaking to someone who uh, at a university who was told it's a UK university who was told that um, the, the government had given their university a lot of money to check um, uh, to counter disinformation. And somebody within that university said, well, hang on a minute. Most disinformation actually comes from the government, but we're accepting government money to uh, to uh, counter disinformation that, uh, that, uh, that, that that's going to restrict our activities but Although that particular academic expressed that view um the uh, the the, the, the uh, university went ahead with developing a a, a a a department to counter disinformation funded by the government. Now I can't see that that um, that that countering disinformation unit is going to uh, say, "Oh, hang on, the biggest um, provider of um, disinformation in UK is actually the government." It's not going to happen, is it? Because of the funding network.
0: This is the the problem. Uh, we've had uh, such an example of that over the last three years. Uh, vaccines are safe and effective uh, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy um, and all the rest of it from mask wearing to social distancing it's all been demonstrated to be false not by the fact checkers and not by the mainstream media or academics but by the mavericks um, and by the people who are marginalised but but continue on anyway um, by the people who won't be intimidated and won't be bought, and these are um, the, these are, are rare jewels indeed. And this is not the sort of the sort of sources that the fact checkers would ever go to, because it's always the official source. The the problem with so many of these schemes and ideas is the utter lack of quality control. Because once the error is in there from an official source, from a trusted source, there's no means of saying, well, that was wrong, and actually hounding the error out. And this has been true in academia as well. Um, And therefore, error tends to be compounded. It tends to be built error upon error until we reach a stage where, I think to quote the CIA, everything that the people believe uh, will be a lie. Um and that's that's the risk we face. Um uh, would you would you like to say anything, Judith, in closing, about um about the significance of this twenty-first century version of censorship, uh the significance of what it's doing to our society and um and and the risks that it poses.
1: Yes, David. Um I personally have felt it incredibly um, uh, concerned about what I've discovered. Um, it's it's actually terrifying when you look at it in its completeness. Um, it, it's it's controlling everything. It's very uh, it's it's very difficult to see how it can be um, overcome um, because it's so extensive. Um the people um, in, in, on the fact check platforms, the people who work for them, um, they sort of co- coordinate with each other. And I suspect that they come to believe that everything that they've said is true. Um, it instills a sort of arrogance into the fact checkers so that they um, they don't feel that they're likely to, um, uh, that they actually have the feeling that they've, they've got the right to say what is true and what isn't true. And. Um, and uh, and I think that because it's it, it's spread across such um, a wide spectrum of social media, um, every type of broadcast media. I mean, online games, uh, a, a fact check, for example. Um, I just think it's 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 frightening the extent of it. Um, and and at the moment, it's very secretive. And I think that that's been um, the thing that's been driving me through this is the fact that if I can start to expose the fact that, um, that this exists. Of course, I'm well retired. Um, and uh, so I can both give it the time and also um, it's difficult for them to um, uh, to threaten my job or my livelihood, for example. So I can do it. But I think there's a lot of people um, that are in employment that can't do it. Um I think that I'm at the moment, the only person who's looking at Fact-checking platforms in the way that I'm looking at it, at the extent of it, um, and and I'm hoping that maybe it, it might stimulate a few other people to take on that challenge. Um, and um, but um, but I think that in terms of society, if we don't if if we don't um, at least make people understand that the that the news is mostly lies i have to say a, a good part of the of the news is lies everything um yeah uh, uh, in fact i don't listen to the mainstream news very often myself so i can't say that it's um that 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 it all is from personal experience but um but the bits that i have seen have either been untrue or very distorted and um and it's it's just Undermining society, and then people like UK column and 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 you and me, um, we become seen as the outliers, and um, and it also puts us into a position in future of maybe um, uh, being sort of like persecuted for what we're doing. But I just feel that this is so important. It's for my children. It's for my grandchildren. It's for the the rest of society. That I just feel that whatever the cost, it's something that I've got to carry on and do. And I'd like to thank you and UK Column News because it's only by exposing this secretive, influential um, group that we can uh, that we can start to defeat it.
0: Judith, thank you very much for for those uh, those closing words. Um, Yes, it's, it's only by actually understanding what we're dealing with that we can start to move forward, we can resist, we can overcome it, and we cannot be fooled by it. So uh, I wish you all the best with your research. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you uh, again and, and uh, find out uh, that you've uh, uncovered more information about this network. Uh, uh, until then, uh, Dr Judith Brown, thank you very much.